Soil health practices like no-till and cover crops can play a large role on your water quality. But when exactly does nitrogen and phosphorus tend to leave a field? And when or what should you be doing when it becomes a problem? I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report, and Amber Raditz, Extension Ag Water Quality Program Manager, has the answers. So in Wisconsin, um, we have kind of a couple main times when nitrogen and phosphorus leave a field. In surface runoff, which is water that moves off of a field that you kind of see it moving through a waterway or things like that, a lot of that happens between the months of January, February, March, and sometimes into April. And that's driven by um, snow melt or rain on frozen ground or rain on snow and um, being able to, the soil just can't infiltrate that very, very well. And so that January, February, March time period is usually driven by some kind of frozen something. In April, or even sometimes into May, when we see runoff, it is because we get intense storms or the soil is saturated from subsequent, um, like day after day rainstorms. For nitrogen, um, nitrogen's most common pathway is leaching and not runoff. So it moves down through the soil profile instead of across in water. And actually, a lot of our nitrate leaching that we see is kind of in off seasons. So we see that from like fall to the following spring uh, when there's not a crop growing there. So speaking of that leaching, how do you measure that or even know when it's a problem? It's really tricky. Nitrogen is really tricky. I mean, phosphorus is really tricky, too. But to know um, in terms of measuring leaching right now, Discovery Farms is doing a couple of projects in the state that are modeled after some work that Kevin Masaryk had been doing with something called pan lysimeters. And what those are is stainless steel boxes that are buried about four feet down and water that's leaching through the soil profile actually can go into those boxes and then we can sample it from there. So that's one of the ways that we're looking at monitoring um, leaching. Another way that um, Dr. Stephen Hall in the Department of Agronomy is looking at is with some like lower cost nitrogen resin. So that those are buried for a period of time as well. Um, the advantage to pan lysimeters is that you know how much water is going through and then also how much nitrogen is in the water. In something like a resin lysimeter, um, in those cases what we're just understanding is kind of just how much nitrogen moved through the system. We don't know much about timing or volume of water. So it's um, it's kind of tricky. How do we know if it's an issue? Well, there's some things you can do above ground. So uh, in terms of things you can do above ground, what you're looking at is really trying to optimize nitrogen applications to what the crop needs. So making sure that we have as little source of nitrogen available to leach and move away from um, move away from the growing zone of the soil. And we can do that by managing applications, kind of doing some like on-farm research or trials to make sure that your nitrogen applications are really met well with what your crop is taking off. Um, and really kind of it's an iterative, like long-term process to kind of keep those dials really tuned in. And when it comes to maximizing water quality, are some conservation practices easier than others or even maybe more cost-effective for farmers? What we see is that actually some of it can come down to really daily decisions, especially if you are applying manure or even if you're applying fertilizer. For application, trying to stay as close to when a crop would need that nutrient is your best bet. So um, adjusting fertilizer or manure applications is one pretty simple, very cost-effective thing to do. Um, other pieces would be making sure that you have erosion controlled, so using practices to make sure that soil is not 
leaving your field because soil also carries nitrogen and phosphorus with it. So making sure we have soil control, soil loss controlled, um, really closely timing our applications, making sure that those nutrient applications are matched well to what the crop actually needs. So using a nutrient management plan, doing on-farm research to understand how your soil is cycling nitrogen and phosphorus. And then you can also think about um, like for nitrogen, if you can get a cover crop really well established in the fall, it actually will scavenge some nitrogen for you. Um, so those are all kind of different things that really aren't going to cost a ton of money, but there are just adjustments to a system. So if I implement one of those suggestions, how soon would I see results? Yeah, so um, some things you're going to see more quickly. So if you change your nitrogen fertilizer application rates and are evaluating that, that's a pretty much like a year-to-year -year thing that you're going to start to see some changes on more quickly. Um, and then as far as phosphorus goes, like one of the measures that we have now is some soil testing, whether you're doing the zero to six inch or even a shallow soil test and kind of monitoring where those phosphorus soil test levels are and making sure that we are getting as close to like an agronomic optimum level as possible. What we have seen within Discovery Farms data about cover crops and no-till is that it basically eliminates soil loss. So uh, as we're thinking about our soil as a resource, those practices are the conservation practices that really work to make sure that soil is staying in place. So uh, we've seen a quite a few farms around the state. Uh, some of my favorites are western Wisconsin where there's some majorly steep slopes and they're still making it work with very, very little soil loss, like less than a couple of five-gallon buckets full um, because of those practices. So it is super gratifying to see that. We also had a study on the eastern side of the state where they reinstalled uh, a waterway and that's a practice that's been with us for decades but boy that did a huge job in um, reducing soil loss and so those practices can really really work. How are you making water quality more attractive to farmers really? What's in it for them? Maybe whether that's barriers that they face in implementing conservation, what are you doing to help with that? So I would say that uh, for farmers, it has been so awesome to see farmers be really interested in water quality. You know, they drink the water, um, you know, from groundwater, things like that. They are interested in preserve preserving our natural resources. And I think a lot of it comes down to pride, right? Farmers have a huge sense of pride in their systems and their farms and what they have done and so for them being able to tell their story of how they are using practices to protect water quality it doesn't necessarily have to have a monetary value attached to it but that pride to know that what you're doing is leaving our resources as good or better than when you um, came upon you know when you started farming that's a huge sense of pride and a big motivator for a lot of people the other thing is farmers are data hounds and so they deal with tons of data all the time and water quality data is no different you know it's so fun to talk about water quality data with a farmer and have them going through that problem-solving uh, exercise with us and saying what if this what about that and so it really plays to the natural curiosity of farmers too so uh, I don't really feel like I have to do anything to make it uh, more interesting because they're really picking it up to me the next pieces to consider really are how much phosphorus is at the surface and thinking about ways to mitigate that. So that might be thinking about 
placing phosphorus below the surface, whether it's a low disturbance manure incorporation or some kind of banded fertilizer, strip till, something like that. How can we kind of hide that phosphorus below the surface in these soil health systems? Because we know that we're going to get some water that moves off of the soil surface. And so to me, that's the next big step. And I, th- I think there's really ways to do that. What are some of the discoveries that have been made in research trials this year regarding soil health and water quality? Anything else that kind of stands out to you? The last couple of years, we've been really interested to see how those these soil health systems perform. And what we are understanding is that um, cover crops do such a great job along with no-till of this soil loss piece and making sure that we are not losing soil. And understanding how cover crops can impact nutrient cycling. Um, And so in these systems, in these soil health systems, making sure that we are continuing to evaluate how the crop is using nitrogen and phosphorus and also how our soil is cycling it. So that's soil testing, that's doing some on-farm research, um, that's, you know, kind of continuing to collect those data. That was Amber Raddatz, Extension Ag Water Quality Program Manager. She added that she and the Discovery Farms program are continuing to research and refine soil health systems and improve water quality across the state. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.